Okay, everybody say, uh, so tonight we're going to continue with our exploring Amuna. Tonight we're going to learn a Beis HaLevi on Parsha's Truma, which is this week's Parsha. And it's not directly talking about Amuna per se, but it definitely has ramifications in terms of our personal Amuna, and I'll explain after it's done. It's Kedai to learn the Beis HaLevi just for the Beis HaLevi itself, because it's a very... A uh, very classic uh, piece that uh, you should know. So, of course, Parshas Truma talks about the Mishkan, the, the Kleha Mishkan, and uh, a lot of very interesting Yisaitis that you take out from each one of the ones of the, each one of the Kalim of the Mishkan, the Aran and the Menaira and uh, the Shulchan and the Kir. All of these things have many, many different. Uh, symbolic importance uh, to a Yid, and we're going to discuss the Aaron. So the Pasuk says, you're supposed to cover the Aaron, which holds the Luchais in gold, you should cover them from the inside and on the outside, meaning that there is wood, there is, if you can imagine, a wood box, and then two golden boxes. The smaller golden box would fit perfectly inside of the wooden box. And then the larger golden box would fit on the outside of the wooden box. So um, it would basically be uh, like a, um, a gold-plated wooden box. That's what the Menaira, that's what the Aran is supposed to be. What's the symbolism here? What do you learn from here? Says the base Alevi, Efsher Lerma is the Aran Hakaidesh Humakim Shemunach Bayhataira. We know that the Aran is the place that Taira is contained uh, within. Vechainhu at Hamadchacham Halaime Taira Lishma Umitzvahulach Zikai. If a Tamadchacham is learning Taira, his Taira should be Lishma, and the, there's a mitzvah to support him. It's enough that I'm supporting a Tamar Chacham. Let's say there's a guy in Kailo and you're supposed to support him. Okay, you're a Balabas and you're supporting a guy. So what would go through your mind is, listen, if I have to support him, I'll support him, but I'll... I'm going to give him a no-frills supporting. I'm not going to make him into, you know, being able to drive a fancy car and live in a nice house and, uh, and, and buy nice food. I'll support him, but come on, give me a break. Like, I don't have to, uh, you know, he doesn't have to act like, like Spitz. Like, I could support him a bare minimal support, that he should just be able to live very bitsimsum, very exact. Whatever he needs, you know, he needs a little bread, he needs a little challah, he needs a little uh, fish, fine, but like he's not, we're not taking him shopping in seasons, we're not going to get him takeout, we're not going to allow him to, you know, live in too nice of an apartment, too, too fancy a car, that I'm not going to do, it's enough just to, that I'm supporting him, be happy that I'm supporting him altogether. I have to also support him that he should be mechubad, he should uh, feel good about himself, that he should walk around proud. No, that's not that. Let him be a schlepper. He's learning. He's happy that he's in Kailal. He's getting the Hanav learning Taira. 
and I'm supporting him, but do I have to really go out of my way to make him really like like extra, you know, and upgrade his his uh, his standard of living? Let him live very very bit simsum. Ulazeb Baharemes says the Beis Halevi. This is, I believe, what the Torah is telling us. Mibayis mibachutz titzapeno. Assuming, and you should assume, that the Aaron symbolizes Tyra, because everybody says that it symbolizes Tyra. The Aaron is definitely the symbol of Tyra. So there is wood in the inside. You have to provide gold on the inside and on the outside. What does that mean? You have to provide gold on the inside. That means she had not, that... Ulazeba she had not gami bachutz, it's mibayis. When you're supporting a Talmud Chacham, it should be that he has food in his fridge, that he has in his own house, babayis, inside, internally, he's taken care of. But not only that, says the Beis Halev, you also have to take it a step further and you have to make sure that mibachutz, his externals, the way he appears to other people, he should be wearing a nice garment, and he should be able to, uh, uh, you know, to, to look good and to and to have a nice uh, family and to be able to drive a nice car and to and to live a nice lifestyle and to he shouldn't be a pauper. It's mibayis umibachutz. That's all part of what is expected when we when we're machzik tyra when we're supporting tyra. It's not alone enough just to make sure that he's taken care of, you know, just his, his basic needs. But no, you have to go a step further and make sure that mibachutz outside also is a very, very, uh, that he looks good, that he looks mechubad, he looks, uh, he looks fine. I remember a story that was told many years ago. It must have been, I don't know, 40, 50 years ago. I don't remember it then, but I'm saying if we're dating the story, that's probably how far back it was, that... Rav Ruderman, who was a Rashiva in Neri Yisrael in Baltimore, he was one of the G'dayle Adar, he was a Gain Adar, he knew Mamash Shas, Paiskim, everything back and forward. And he made a trip to Eretz Yisrael. I don't think he went to Eretz Yisrael that many times in his life. Maybe this was his only trip, I'm not sure. But he went to Eretz Yisrael, and then he came back, and his Talmidim asked him, no, what the Rosh Hashiva see in Eretz Yisrael? Was there something like memorable that happened on the trip? He says, yes. He says, I bought a mantle for a Sefer Torah. Bought a mantle for a Sefer I mean, I bought a, a cover for a Sefer Torah. Like, you know, presumably, Sefer Torah, you know, he meant like there was the velvet coat that you put over Sefer Torah. That's what he bought. So they tell me them it looked a little strange. Like, what, why would the Rosh Hashiva go to Eretz Yisrael and buy a mantle for a Sefer Torah? So he says, no, 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 I don't mean a, uh, a Sefer Torah that you put in the Aaron. He says, I mean a Lebedika Sefer Torah, a living Sefer Torah. There was a living Sefer Torah that I met, this young man, a uh, younger man, a Kyle guy. He knew Kala Torah Kuli, he was a Bucky Nifla in everything. But he was wearing like a, his, his, his coat, his frack, was all tattered and torn and stained. And I told him it doesn't pass that you should walk around. It does. It's not appropriate. Your your mamish a living sevetayr. You deserve a a mantle. Sevetayr needs a beautiful mantle. 
So he says, no, I don't need it, it's fine. He says, no, I, I took him to a store and I had him sized and I fit him and I, I paid for it myself and that was my biggest accomplishment that I did when I went to Eretz Yisrael. So I said, who is this Sefer Tyra? Who are you talking about? He said, his name is Chaim Kanievsky. A young Reb Chaim, this is, Reb Rudiman was Nifter already uh, in the 1980s, I would say. So we're going back, the, you know, he was Nifter 40 years ago. He probably went there until 60 years ago. How old is Reb Chaim already? He's, you know, today he's in his 90, he's 90 maybe, so in his early 90s. So he, he must have been in his, in his 20s or 30s when this mice happened. And, and we know that he was a guy already from when he was a buffer, when he was it's, but, but that's it. You, you have to support somebody internally, a tamachacham, mi bias inside, you have to make sure he has food to eat, but also mi bachutz, his mantle, the way he dresses, the way he looks, his hat, everything should be mechubedek, he's a tamachacham, you have to make sure to support him that far, that's how, that's how much you have to give, and now, you know, that, that's not always the way the world looks at things. The world looks at things like, listen, you know, it's very nice that you get to learn all day. I'll give you, you know, you want, I'll give you a little money, but I'm not going not gonna to make you, you know, you know, why should I do more than, more than, I should put you on the same level as me? Like I should, yeah, you should put him higher than you. He's a Tamar Chacham, he's Taira. You have to make sure that he's taken care of properly. You know, there's a, uh, I saw... I, I went to Chaim Berlin when I was a Bacher, one of the yeshivas that I was in, and uh, they pride themselves on this. They, they feel like it's very important that um, Rav Hutner was Rashiva, you know, he, he was very Talmud of Slabatka. Slabatka was very into the externals, that a, a Bentaira should dress properly, should look properly. If you look at, if you see pictures of the early Chevron uh, Talmidim, which Chevron was the yeshiva in Israel that was founded by Slabotka. Slabotka in Europe founded Yeshimon Yisrael, they called it Hevron. Uh, unfortunately, Hevron in the early, in 1929, uh, was a terrible massacre in Hevron. The Arabs came and butchered, you know, scores of uh, B'nai Taira and, and Jews in Hevron, terrible. But those Bachrim, those Hevron at Talmidim, if you see pictures of them, and in fact, a lot of the people in Eretz Yisrael didn't like it so much because it was completely not what they were used to, they all looked extremely spitz. Like they had, uh, they had like white suits or very light colored suits and, and fancy ties and like hats at a tilt. Uh, that's the way they used to, uh, that's the way, that's Hebron, that's Slabatka. So Rav Hutner, who was a Talmud of Slabatka, insisted on that also. In his yeshiva, everything was always done like first class. Arayim, like if you go into Chaim Berlin, if anyone's ever been there, it's all marble and it's, uh, you know, beautiful brass and every day the the custodians are like sta- are, are polishing the brass uh, banisters and the you know everything is very very uh, very spitz and by the dinner they have a very big yeshiva dinner every year I normally go this year I, I was uh, I was in Florida but at the yeshiva dinner they uh, um, so the president of the yeshiva is like a very big gavir himself his name is Rabbi Ram Fruchtandler so he got up and he said that we had a, uh, an emergency meeting this Friday, the dinner was on a Sunday, and he says, we never have emergency meetings, but we all, the whole board got together, some on phone, some in person, and we decided that we were going to give a uh, $5,000 bonus to every Rebbe in the yeshiva. It's a lot of money, you know, for, and, and to the Kyle, we're going to give a 20% raise in their salary. 
Now, they don't have to, you know, they'd be happy that there is a Kyle, you know, the Kyle should be happy that they're being supported to begin with. What do you have to, you know, have to give them big bonuses and whatever? The answer is that that's a schos. It's a schos when you're supporting Tyra to make sure that it's not just me bias, that they're able to scrape by every month. But mibachutz, you have to also make sure that they're that they feel good about themselves. It's they, they shouldn't be schleppers. They're not schleppers. They're they're the the elite of Klal Yisrael. So the Aaron symbolizes the mibayas and mibachutz. Not only is there gold on the inside of a Talmud Chacham's home that you have to give them some money to spend there, but also the externals. Make sure that they like they have a, a whole. You know, when, a, when somebody in the Kailal or one of the Rabbeim marry off a child, they have a gemach, a special fund for them to help them make their chasnas, whatever. There's a whole system to make sure that they don't feel like schleppers, that they feel important, that they feel chashuv. Okay, that's step one in the Beis HaLevi. Now, this, this is a very famous piece of the Beis HaLevi. And it's very important for us to remember for the rest of our lives. When a person gives money to an ani for tzedaka, so you're basically you're basically fulfilling a mitzvah of tzedaka, which is on you through the ani. The and there are other mitzvah that are involved. There's a mitzvah say to support them. You ever see a person how, like, I'm not talking about Stam people, but like, how they bring their Esrig to Shul? They bring their Esrig to Shul in like a beautiful silver uh, Esrig box, and it's all wrapped up and, you know, very, very fancy and well protected. And then they take it out and they show it to their friends. You know, it's like a $500 esrog, a perfect esrog. And they treat it like gold. Like everything is like, you know, this is, their, this is my esrog. And it's like, you know, they put a lot into it and a lot of, they take a lot of pride. Why? Because as well they should. It's a mitzvah and this is my mitzvah and I'm, I'm taking pride. This is that Kehli Van Veyu. So look at the way the Beis HaLevi sees things. He says that the Ani... When the Ani is standing at your door, pretend for a moment that he's your Esrig. He's your Esrig now. Just like my Esrig, I take pride in it, I take care of it, I'm, it's my Esrig, I'm like, you know, making sure that it's perfect and that as soon as I'm done with it, I, I don't let anyone touch it, I put it away right away and I protect it and it, the pitim and the, the... That's your Esrig. An Ani comes knocking on your door, is he less than an Esrig? An esrog after you finish taking it, there's no holiness in the esrog. It's not a, you, you, it was useful for using it for the mitzvah. But when you're actually taking it and you're using it for the mitzvah, there is a kedushas mitzvah in it. You're not allowed to get hana from it. And you're not allowed to use it for any ordinary purpose. You're not allowed to get anna, as we know, from the schach of the sukkah, from the walls of the sukkah, even from the decorations of the sukkah. 
You're not allowed to use it, of course, for any bizayin dika purpose. When you're doing Kisei Adam, there's a din of Kisei Adam, which is a mitzvah, that when you shecht a, um, certain types of animals and birds, so you have to cover the blood with, uh, with dirt. When you spill the blood, you have to cover it with dirt. So there's a lima that you're not allowed to use your foot. You're not allowed to like, kick, the, kick the, the, the sand or the dirt that's going to cover the blood with your foot. Why? Because it's bizayin mitzvah. You're, you're supposed to bend down and do it in a, in a classy way. Do it in a, in a chashava way. You don't do it with your, kick, with your foot as if it's nothing. That mitzvah should not be bizuyas. They shouldn't be disgraced by you. Kain ha'ani mamish be'eshen noistin lai an ani is not less than an esrig. An esrig is, a, is an inanimate object. An esrig has kedusha when you're using it, but after you're done with it, it's really, there's no kedusha left. Okay, it's very nice to, to be machshav your esrig. It's all very good and fine, but it's not something that, you know, get, to get carried away about. And there are, you wouldn't be allowed to be mavaza your esrig. You wouldn't be allowed to mavaza your sukkah. So definitely you wouldn't be allowed to mavaza an ani. An ani is like your esrig. If you think about him as a mitzvah, it's a mitzvah you're doing. So don't treat him less than you would your esrig. But how do we treat aniim? How do we treat aniim? Do we really treat them as well as our esrig? Do we like coddle them and make sure that they're well and good and strong and happy? No. Most times, I don't know where you daven, but where I daven, not when I'm when I'm not in yeshiva. Uh, a lot of times, there are like you know. First of all, you come into the shul. There's a million signs. Collectors are not welcome. Don't come into the shul. Stand outside, and you know, uh, you know. And if you we catch you, we're going to throw you out. And then like all, many times I've been in shuls and people start screaming at the people. The no, no, you know, you're staring my davening. Get out of here. You're nothing. You know, like. Like, get a job, like, terrible things. Like, these are, first of all, they're yidden. Second of all, they're aniyim. And you're not allowed to be mavaza anybody, but certainly an ani who is so sensitive and so fragile as it is. And he's providing you an opportunity to do a mitzvah of tzedakah, of echzaktah, by many others. And suddenly we act like, uh, or we find some people acting in a very cruel and cold-hearted, callous way towards them. They didn't do anything wrong. You think it's a big nachas for them to go and collect money in a shul or, in a, or on a street or in a, in a basement? You think they want to do this? They're, they're really, really desperately in need. And people are like, ah, come on, you know, they're fakers, they're this, that. I'm not saying that every single ani is, is legit, but if they, have a, if they have documentation and they're, you know, then I, I personally believe that most of them are legit because I don't think anyone would do it unless... They really needed to do it. It's not something that, you know, if they would have an opportunity of a normal source of employment and they wouldn't be so stressed and strapped for money, I don't think they would do this. Anyone. So if they're doing it, that's a sign that they really need it. We should never, ever be that guy that starts screaming at an ani or that starts berating them publicly or privately. And if a person comes to your door and he's an ani, and, you know, you should try to help him out. Listen to him. 
even if you don't have money, you know, just listen to a story. Let him, you know, feel feel a little empathy for him, sympathy for him. Tell him a, a nice thing, you know. Let him, you know, give him, offer him a fruit to, to eat or a, or something to drink. Something make him human. Every I, nine out of ten doors that he knocks on, he gets thrown out. So don't be that guy. Be a person that a Beisalevi Dekayid that has a heart and that looks at every person as being, as being uh, an, an esrig, no less than an esrig. Sounds funny even to compare a, a yid to an esrig, but unfortunately we have to, you know, uh, it's, it's, it, an esrig is like, wow, and then and a human being in front of us is like, you know, we, we, we're mevaza. And so we were learning two very important this tonight from the Beis HaLevi. First of all, that when it comes to a Tamar Chacham, you have to take care of his needs. There's a mitzvah of to be taimach taira, and that's mi bayis mi bachutz, taking care of their internal. Obviously, this is talking about a person that can afford to do this. Hashem, you know, whether you're the, the Tamar Chacham that's being supported, or you're going to be the, the, the Zvulun that's supporting the Tamar Chacham, whatever it is, remember this Beis HaLevi. Don't be one of these stingy people that, all right, I'll give, but like, how much do I need to give already? Give as much as you can, because it's important to give a mantle to a safer Torah, making sure that every Talmud Chacham is chashev and feels chashev and is respected by the community, looks good and, and, and feels good, and his family is whole and, and, and happy with what's going on. And the second shlav of the Beis HaLevi, the second piece here is, that in general, the tzedakah that we give to an ani has to be in a, respect, in a respectful manner. We should never be that guy that is, uh, that's cruel and callous and couldn't care less about the place. Listen to the person. You don't have money or you do have money. Listen, at least listen to the person. Give him the benefit of the doubt. He needs money. He's, pretend that he's legit. Assume that he's legit. And if you make a mistake and, you know, one out of ten people are, are not legit, okay, so, so you got scammed one out of ten times. But don't be that person that says, okay, I'm not giving it to anyone because, you know, once in a while I might get scammed. That's not, that's not a, a good idea when it comes to, uh, to tzedakah. I once had an ani that came to my house, and it's not common that I do this, but, you know, for some reason, you know, I, I invited him into the house, and, um, and we gave him a meal. And I didn't know him from Adam, but like he seemed like a fine, you know, person. And I, you know, and, and at, the end of the, at the end of the meal, like my son, my little son was sitting on his lap already. He was showing him like pictures from, you know, of what he, you know, his family or his yeshiva and so whatever he was collecting for. And, you know, and then I, I gave him money. And he said, he was very, like, touched that I, I, and again, I don't want you to think that I do this every night. I really don't. It's very rare. But he was very moved. And he told me that he went to a very wealthy man's house. And, um, and the, the wealthy man said to him, uh, I don't give tzedakah at the door. I, uh, I give it to, uh, I have a gabai. And uh, he takes, he has full discretion over all my tzedakah. I don't give, uh, you know, and, uh, it's, I give all my meiser, whatever it is that I give, I give to him. And he takes care of it. So I don't have to deal with any aniyim. So, and then, so he said, I, this ani told me, so I, I looked at him like funny. He says, what, what am I saying that's so funny? Like, why, what, what's wrong about it? I'm giving my meiser. I'm giving, making a shliach. Why are you looking at me like, he says, he says, you're right. You did, your mitzvah tzedakah is fine. He says, but your mitzvah of chinuch is horrible. 
because you're never allowing your children to see how you treat an Ani. All you're doing is locking the Aniim out. And part of the mitzvah of tzedakah is really to mechanech your children in giving tzedakah, showing them that you're machshev every yid and that if a yid is in saras, you know, you have to try to listen to them and humanize them and try to, you know, so, warm them up and give them, imagine if chas v'shalom, we were on the receiving end. We should never be on the receiving end, hopefully. But like, I always think like, let's say I had to go door to door you know, to feed my family or to, uh, or for a, for a health issue, chas v'shalom, whatever. Yeah, how, how awful is that? Think about that a second. Like on a freezing cold night like tonight, people going door to door and like going to strangers' houses and like getting probably no one answers and people that do answer maybe gives $3 to them. And, you know, it's, it's really hard. It's impossibly hard. So you have to try to like think about that. And like when people come to your door, assuming that, you know, obviously you don't have to answer late at night if it's dangerous and if they're, if you feel it's a sakhan in any which way, then I, but I'm talking about a regular, normal case that, you know, it's not a danger, the guy looks legit or, and you have to try to be a human being. You have to, you have to treat these people, they're, they, they're you and me. There's no, they're not subhuman just because they're asking for money. They're just in a, in a very bad place right now and they need us. So you have to try to warm up your heart in order to be there for them. And the reason why, in case you're wondering what in the world this space Alevi has to do with Amuna, uh, I think it has a lot to do with Amuna because the whole concept of giving tzedakah is really an Amuna issue. Why is it so hard for us to give tzedakah? On any level, whether it's Meiser, certainly if it's a Chaimish, certainly, but even, even not, even if a guy, you know, comes to our door and we want to, you know, to give him 20 bucks, give him, then why is it so hard? Because we feel that, like, this is my money, you know, I could spend this $20 on buying myself, I don't know, a, a nice meal, and, you know, why should I give it to him? Like, what did he do for it? But that's not, Emuna means that I believe when HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that there's a mitzvah to support somebody, I believe that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of me. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not going to allow me to be poor because, you know, because I'm taking care of somebody else. I'm going to, it's Aser B'Shvil Shadis Asher. Amuna is, I believe so strongly in Hashem that I'm willing to give tzedakah. And I, 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 he promises me that if I give tzedakah, that's how I'm going to become wealthy. And you're allowed to test Hashem in this, the Gemara says. This is one thing that you're allowed to test Hashem with. I once heard a, a speech from uh, Rabbi Shlomo Yehuda Rechnitz, who is, uh, you know, he lives in Los Angeles. He's, uh, he's physically a very, very big guy. He's a twin. He's like close to seven feet tall. He's really big. I know his twin brother. They're both in business together. Um, they have a very big like medical supply company, and I think they're the biggest nursing home operators in California. Anyway, they're very, very wealthy people, but he's a huge baltzedakah. He gives a, like crazy amounts of money to the Mir and Eretz Yisrael and every yeshiva in the world. You go to Lakewood, every building has Rechnitz on it. He's, he's, a, he's a young guy. He's like, uh, you know, probably 50 or something. So I heard him speak once, and he said the following. He said, people ask me, what, what's the secret to making a lot of money? He says, I'm going to tell you the secret right here and right now. It's not a secret. He says, Baduk Omanusa. It's tried and true. If you want to make a lot of money, he says, think about how much you want to make this year. What's your, what's your, uh, what's your goal to make this year? 
you want to make $100,000 this year, let's say. So give uh, whatever you want to give, take off a zero. Whatever you want to make, take off a zero and give that to tzedakah. You want to make $100,000, write out a check for $10,000, you're going to make $100,000 this year. It says you want to make a million dollars, right? I obviously need $100,000 to give before you, you know, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd borrow that money for this, but maybe you should, I don't know. But that's, he says, Baduk Omenusa, whatever money I want to make, I give 10% of that, and, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu at the end of the year provides that. Now, it takes Amuna. It's like, you know, this is one thing that Amuna is really, you know, this is when the rubber hits the road because Amuna is all very nice speaking about it on a Tuesday night in a classroom. But when, when I have to actually cut a check for people, $1,000 here, $500 there, $5,000 there, that's like real Amuna. Like, I'm not, you know, I could use this money myself and I'm giving it away in the hope that somehow Hashem will get it back to me and, and then some. That's real Amuna. Emunah is very nice to preach about, but, when, but the real test of Emunah is when you give tzedakah to an ani or to a kailal or to, and you know it's the right thing to do, but it's very hard to write that check. It's very hard to open your wallet and to give generously. We know that, right? It's a, it's a hard thing to do sometimes. Some people may look at me like I'm crazy. I go, no, it's easy. I enjoy it. Okay, then you're going to be a you know, big givir someday. But if you're one of the you know, mortals that find it very hard to part with the money, and Muna really is tested every time you have that opportunity to give tzedakah. I'm not talking about giving a quarter to the pushka. And obviously, everything is relative. If all you have is a dollar, a quarter is tremendous. But like, if, you're ha- if, you, if let's say you have a decent amount of money, now, let's say, you know, you worked really hard. I remember the first job that I ever had was a, I worked in the summer when I was a little kid as a waiter in camp. It was a day camp in Long Beach and I was a waiter. And, uh, and for two months, I was mamish schwitzing working crazy, like not, like not normal. It was before child labor laws, I guess, were enacted. I was, they had me there at like 7 o'clock in the morning. But I, I, was talking, I was like a little kid. This, I wasn't like, you know, I was, I don't even know how old, maybe I was 10, 11 years old. I was like, like mopping the floors from the petal, you know, the, the, the bug juice that was like sticky on the floors. They made me mop up the whole floor. And then I had to set a lot of these tables. Then I had to serve like those uh, fish sticks with a ketchup and the kids would spritz it at me and whatever. Like I went through like mamish isurei, you know, iyev. And at the end of the summer, I remember I went into the office and I said, okay, I'm done. Uh, can I have my payment? And I remember I got a check for $86. $86. My kids get $86 today just for like showing up, you know, just for doing nothing. But, um, but, that was, but I felt like really good. This is my $86. I worked hard on it and uh, I worked hard for it and it felt very good. And then I came home and I remember I showed my father the check for $86. I was very proud of it. And my father says, okay, $8.60 for Meissner. Where do you want to give it? I said, dad, I just like, that's like three weeks of summer. Like, you know, that's, that's a lot. And it is a lot, but if you train yourself to be able to give, and it's, a, it's, not a, it's not a small thing, it's a very big thing, but if you're able to really give and give generously, that's a sign that you believe. That's a sign of emuna. the greatest, I think, the sign, because money is very, it's, it's hard to make money, it's hard to part with money. When you part with money, because HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, I want you to part with your money, I want you to give it away, it's really hard, but that's really testing your emuna.
And that's the site I think that the Beis HaLevi is trying to teach us, in Mitzvah Hashem, it should seep into our, into our hearts, into our brains, and, and in Mitzvah Hashem we should be very warm, generous, caring, open-handed, yidden, and never ever the opposite.